Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Lettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we are going to the practical side. Many people, they sent me messages and asking, okay, very nice. We know the, the broad framework, but how I can work a sustainability strategy, how I can do. And then I'm pleased to have a practitioner, have an extensive experience working with the, one of the big consulting firms and that, that has now joined us in the podcast. Welcome so much today to Iyad Abotin. Thank you, Iyad, for being here with us. Thank you very much, Sam, for having me. Iyad, what is your sustainability journey? Who is Iyad? So I'm, I'm a chemical engineer originally, and I was, like, after my graduation, as a typical chemical engineer would, would aspire or would want, is to work with, like, the big chemical processing plants or big oil and gas plants. And luckily, I did manage to work with BASF, which is a very large chemicals manufacturer back in Saudi Arabia. I worked with them for almost three years. And then, like, while I was working with BASF, I always had an interest in management consulting. You know, like, I see that management consultants, they have a good exposure to different industries. They, like, maybe work with the decision makers and top C executives to kind of develop strategies and really make things happen. So luckily I managed to transition from working as a typical chemical engineering person or professional to working as a consultant with EY, which is one of the big four consulting firms. I started with EY working as a financial accounting uh, advisory consultant. So it's not really something related to my profession, to my expertise, but in that space, you know, they wanted someone with good process optimization, good strong analytical and problem-solving skills, which is why, luckily, I managed to kind of secure this transition. While working with the financial accounting advisory services within EY, I got also exposed to another service line, which is the climate change and sustainability services. And, you know, like working with a multidisciplinary organization, I would say, that kind of like provides a lot of services in different professions, I managed to kind of like show my interest in moving to sustainability and climate change. You know, since I found that it was more related to my kind of background and technical knowledge. When I started working as in, in, as a chemical, as a sorry, climate change and sustainability consultant, you know, I wasn't really like exposed or like didn't really understand what services were they providing and like what technical knowledge would I add to the team. So, you know, my first engagement or like my first project with EY was to develop a, uh, the first of its kind or, or like a sustainability report, first time sustainability report for a leading energy company. So within that engagement, I actually got exposed to sustainability reporting, using the different frameworks, developing sustainability strategies, kind of asking the right questions and all of the subsequent things that are related to sustainability, such as data readiness reporting, etc. And of course, more engagement followed that focused on different types of uh, sustainability uh, services, such as, for example, the digitization of sustainability, streamlining the data collection process to develop a sustainability report. Now, so, so like this, this was mainly like my types of engagements while working with EY. And then very recently, I transitioned to working with Diligent, which is a leading GRC 
governance, risk and compliance type of software provider, but they also kind of like provide ESG reporting and, and the carbon accounting tool for companies to use and kind of like digitize their emissions calculation process. Wonderful. And it's really this wide experience that really touched me and why you are here, because I think you can provide wonderful insight. And the first question going now step by step in, in working in this, uh, as you said, from the first engagement now ranging to the different, you have worked with many industries, you say, from the oil and gas and now and the others. So how do you approach developing a sustainability, a sustainability strategy? That, that's a very good question. And again, like I'm going to kind of like try to like walk back and kind of like wear the hat of me being present in my first engagement. So the first thing that you really need to do is when, when developing a sustainability strategy is to like kind of ensure that you have a good understanding of the challenges and opportunities for the specific industry of the entity or company that you're trying to help develop a strategy for. So for example, for the oil and gas, you know, like they, they might have opportunities, for example, in kind of like reducing their carbon footprint, reducing their emissions, focusing more on renewable energy. For example, if you want to look at the financial services industry, we would look at opportunities, for example, to reducing their financed emissions. This means like, you know, the investments or like the emissions of companies that those financial institutions invest in. So it's very important that we understand like what are the opportunities and what are the challenges that are specific to each industry. And then the first thing that we usually do when developing a sustainability strategy or when developing sustainability report or kind of like anything that's related to sustainability is to conduct a materiality assessment. So what's a materiality assessment? A materiality assessment is basically getting insights from, from various stakeholders, whether they're internal or external, to kind of understand what are the most important sustainability topics for that specific company or industry. For example, if I do a, sustainability, a materiality assessment for a financial services company or financial services entity, I don't think that I'm going to get a, a lot of voting or like a lot of insights from the stakeholders that health and safety is a very important topic for them. They would say that they would really focus, for example, on decarbonizing their financed emissions. They would focus a lot on like their diversity or DEI agenda. They would focus on, uh, for example, collaboration with the local community, etc. So it's very important that when I do the materiality assessment that I kind of like develop or identify the long list or short list of important topics or important ESG topics for that specific industry or that specific company. So then I, you know, I can, I kind of like have the areas or like the topics that I could work on to develop my, or like kind of improve my performance in relation to those topics. Very interesting and, you know, really practical advice. And the second question that comes through it is like, what are instead the challenges that you face when you, you develop this kind of process, which are the reaction? And from the companies and how you overcome them and how do you address them? Mainly the challenges when, when talking specifically about the sustainability strategy or an ESG strategy, the main challenge we face is like the knowledge and kind of understanding of the different sustainability topics and areas. Like for example, like again, I'm, I will always refer to materiality because materiality is the most important, I believe, like as the foundation of having a proper ESG strategy or sustainability strategy for a company. And then like, you know, when, when you identify or like when you kind of conduct a correct and like a thorough sustainability uh, sort of materiality assessment, 
you really kind of like shift the focus in the right places. So the main challenge, like based on my experience, is like lack of knowledge on like a lot of topics. For example, finance emissions. It's not a very kind of like well-defined topic or well-defined area for like people to really grasp and understand. Like therefore, this might affect their understanding or like their assessment of how, how material a topic is. Like GHG emissions. Like a lot of times we kind of might relate GHG emissions to fuel consumptions to energy usage. Like those are only scope one and scope two, but like there is also indirect emissions, which are scope three. They might, they are kind of like related to the, the use of the, the entities, products and services. Models, for example, is a very interesting example. BNI, diversity, equity and inclusiveness. Not many people like, you know, have a kind of solid thorough knowledge about like this topic for them to kind of assess it properly as a material topic or, or non-material topic. So in summary, it's, it's the lack of knowledge about like what are the various sustainability topics and areas that are related and specific for each industry. Thank you so much. The, the following step is like now we have seen how to shape it and which are the factors, the key factors. Then we have seen the challenges. The third step would be how do you measure if your strategy is successful or no? Which are the metrics that you can use to track the, the progress? That's, that's a good question. As you remember, based on my response to the, like, the first question about developing a sustainability strategy. So after like kind of identifying like what are the material topics, et cetera, and kind of like focusing on this, on those areas, we would then develop like initiatives, step of certain initiatives and a roadmap to kind of achieve, you know, or kind of improve our process or performance in those, in those specific key material, uh, material topics, material energy topics. Now, what would the specific metrics and KPIs be? You know, when, when developing such strategy, we could always like refer to the global frameworks that kind of offer specific KPIs or specific metrics for each material topic. For example, SASB is like a leading framework in sustainability reporting, and they, they also have something called the sector materiality, or like, you know, based on the best practice, based on inputs from like Fortune 500 companies or like the largest companies by market cap spread across different markets they see or like they kind of like analyze the, the specific material topics for like companies operating in that sector and under each material topic they do kind of like also recommend a list of kpis or a list of metrics for example like looking at emissions and energy you might find in the kpi sorry in the SASB materiality standard that like they recommend or like they advise companies to report on like their direct emissions scope one scope two the percentage of renewable energy used the percentage of like products that contribute to renewable energy. So in summary, like setting the right metrics and targets, we usually refer to those like global frameworks or when also like working with an entity, we might also kind of like look at the leading companies or like the best practices of how leading companies are or like what type of information are those leading companies disclosing. And again, when we are discussing and seeing, I'm sure some people from the audience might say, mm, okay, very interesting, the frameworks and the KPI, but I know you have been bread and butter with them discussing and taking it and using it. So can you explain a bit, uh, since you work with many of them, the GRI, the SASB, can you explain what are those frameworks, how they are used? Um, I'm going to give you a very interesting example. So like we have financial reporting and we have non-financial reporting. And like, you know, as a company, when I want to kind of develop 
financial statements, I don't like just go on Excel and just report my, for example, my profits, my assets, my liabilities, etc. I need to like refer to a specific guideline or a specific framework that is set by leading bodies such as the IFRS, which is the International Financial Reporting. There are like certain leading leading kind of entities or leading regulatory bodies that set the, the guidelines for financial reporting, such as IFRS and GAAP, G-A-A-P, which mainly focuses on the financial reporting standards in the U.S. and North America. Similar to non-financial reporting, which is mainly sustainability reporting or, or any kind of disclosures that are not related to finance, you also have those uh, global frameworks and regulatory bodies that kind of set the guidelines for companies to develop a standardized or like kind of semi-standardized uh, non-financial disclosure. So, for example, as mentioned, for the financial uh, for the financial reporting side, we have the IFRS gap, and I'm sure there there, there, there are others. We also have on the other side for the non-financial uh, non-financial reporting side, we also have the GRI, which is I think one of the earliest kind of uh, frameworks that helped companies uh, develop their sustainability and non-financial disclosures. We're also like GRI is, is mainly very general. It's like kind of focuses on various areas or like all areas of sustainability, such as uh, environment or social and governance. You also then have SASB, which is the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. And from its name, accounting, SASB kind of like looked at it more from a financial perspective. You also have the TCFD, which is the Task Force for Carbon Financial Disclosures. Each of those frameworks kind of like focuses on a specific area. And as I told you, like the most general one is the GRI. And you also like have others that are sector specific. For example, for oil and gas, you might, if you like look at the, the, the sustainability reports for those, for oil and gas companies, a lot of times you might find them referring to something called IPCA, which is like a framework for sustainability disclosures that is mainly focused on the oil and gas industry. And again, this also ties back to materiality, since like for oil and gas, like there are a list of like material ESG topics, and therefore like this framework kind of provides more guidance on to how to report specifically on those material topics. And thank you so much for this explanation and really how to see and, and to move in this complex world. And the question now is more with your work. You have worked with many companies and work and organization. From your opinion, working with many of them, what is really the role that the company and businesses they can play in addressing this climate crisis? Like, I think that a lot of companies now, they're kind of like being reactive rather than proactive in terms of like their sustainability strategy and disclosures. You know, you, you see a lot of companies kind of like developing sustainability reports and ESG reports because they are mandated to do so. We have a lot of guidelines and mandates coming from the capital market authorities such as the SEC and you have also from the EU as well here in Canada we also have something called the CSA which is the Canadian Securities Administrator so like in summary those capital market authorities they are mandating companies to start disclosing their non-financial performance so that being said a lot of companies like they just do the very minimum we are mandated to disclose this and that let's kind of like just develop a very basic disclosure framework, like a very basic ESG strategy that would just enable us to disclose th those mandated disclosures and like just do the bare minimum so that we're not fined or, or whatsoever. And again, in relation to that part as well, a lot of companies like they're just mainly focusing on like the strategy, how to kind of like polish their messaging 
in relation, it might be in relation to like their PR, company image, etc. I think that, you know, a, a lot of those companies, like they're kind of shifting or like mainly working in that direction rather than actually doing or taking tangible steps to, for example, really reduce their emission, really work on, for example, improving their DNI strategy, really working on making a positive impact across their operations. So like my key takeaway is that I would ask more companies to just not just do the bare minimum and kind of like comply with the regulation, but really put more effort to kind of like do the tangible steps to really create a positive impact. And really to go a step, you know, just not, the regulation is usually the, the bottom lines. You want to go to the top. And maybe on that, some people may, might be curious. Now you have uh, touched many industry and what. Can you share what is shareable, of course, and in public? Something specific, a project or an engagement that you are proud of and how maybe was successful in a way of to have a strategy on sustainability and what? So actually one of the really, really projects that I'm proud to be a part of is, is one of the giga projects in Saudi Arabia. So I'm sure that you all heard about Neom, the Red Sea, but I worked on one of those giga projects. And you know, like when working with one of those giga projects, you know, the sky is the limit in terms of sustainability. Like they have a really good budget. They want to build something that is extraordinary. So with that being said, again, like they don't just want to do the bare minimum. They want to put the efforts to kind of like really do something tangible. So I worked on one of those giga projects to kind of help the company or the project to digitize their health and safety processes in addition to some of their sustainability and waste management processes. So like what I really liked about this project is that we really helped the client, first of all, like understand how will their processes be integrated to a digital space or a digital platform. So with that being said, we really had to be like knowledgeable about their processes and like kind of do our own due diligence to see like if they, if such processes were to be integrated to that digital platform, like will certain problem arise, will like do we need to do some certain modifications? You know, this kind of like really gave me an idea of the tech side of ESG and sustainability. And again, that we were also like kind of like looked upon as the subject matter expert in understanding like their processes and how they would be integrated to that digital platform. And again, we also like had to think a step forward and identify problems before they arise to make sure that the problem or like the, the, the software was running smoothly without any problems arising in the future. And we hope really to see that these starting from scratch and from emerging markets, they are really, you know, based with a step on towards sustainability. And looking from your observatory now, you have been working, you know, in the Saudi, in the, in this, in the Middle East space. Now you have moved now to the Western Hemisphere. I want to ask, how do you see this field of sustainability, ESG reporting evolving in the coming year? Of course, you said we are now not just regulatory compliance. Do you see companies going to leap and going to a step forward or it will be just need the push of regulation to go higher and higher to force them a bit? In the short and medium term, I think that like new regulation will still be like the main driver for companies to establish a strong and thorough sustainability uh, or sustainability or sustainability and easy disclosures. But I think like the good thing is that a lot of those mandates and a lot of those regulations, they're becoming more and more kind of mature. 
and specific in the things that they ask companies to do. So like if you look at the new upcoming ISSB climate regulations or uh, they're still not in the final draft, but like if you look at the current draft regulations, you would see that they would want companies to like report a lot on their climate strategy and climate risk quantification. And again, like really set tangible targets for like reductions or like going net zero. So like, I don't think that the current uh, sustainability disclosure practices would like be sufficient to respond to the upcoming regulation. But again, this is from one point of view is that there would be a lot of regulations kind of mandating companies. But again, we also like see strong investor focus really requiring companies to kind of like have a thorough and robust ESG strategy and uh, and like uh, a clear and tangible, I would say, reduction targets or like whether, whether it's reduction or anything that's related to sustainability. And like those investor or like uh, stakeholder focus would really force companies to like not just only do the bare minimum, but kind of like force them to know, like start putting tangible steps to report more and do more. And finally, I think that a lot of companies, they're, they're kind of like they're realizing positive dollar value with sustainability initiatives and sustainability reporting. So the more that they do in the areas of sustainability and ESG, the better the returns, whether this could be translated, for example, to like less, I would say less uh, expenses. It might, for example, lead to like a higher turnover rate amongst employees, more talented people might be leading uh, joining your organization, for example, because like you really take care of your employees, or like you have a good DNI strategy, or, or or anything of that sort. So this would lead to kind of like positive value for the company. You can see the ladder that uh, the companies and the world they they, they, are, they are working on. I know we will talk a lot, but now we, I want to you know we need now to wrap up and trying to go towards the, the end of the episode. But I want to ask you some few questions that really touch on your experience and your background. You have a very diverse background and you have worked in one area, which is really crucial, especially I think for in the global sustainability and climate change challenges, the Middle East and especially Saudi Arabia. What are your thoughts about the, the region role in this area? What contribution and maybe what processes do you see to change the traditional, let us say, reliance on oil and gas and how this is can shape also the way we go about our crisis. As we know, I think that the Middle East region, specifically the Gulf region, like they are like leading suppliers of oil and, and hydrocarbons to different or several parts of the world. So I think that the Middle East, they have a crucial role to play in kind of like decarbonizing the value chain of oil and gas and hydrocarbon processing which include like processing the hydrocarbons, storing them, and also transporting to the different parts of the region. You know, since like they are the leading or like one of the leading suppliers of hydrocarbons, if they successfully kind of like decarbonize or like reduce the carbon footprint, this would, you know, translate to a great reduction in, in hydrocarbons and emissions because like, you know, they make up a really big, portion of the oil and gas or like the supply of oil and gas to different parts of the world. We can see those initiatives being translated in like the national strategies of a lot of companies. For example, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, they both have net zero strategies for their country. They aim to, to become net zero, I think, by 2050. We see a lot of 
like the renewable energy projects also being established and commissioned in that region. I think, for example, Morocco, they have one of the largest solar farms. Saudi Arabia has also been like really active in, in renewable energy recently. They have two uh, giga projects. I think one of them is solar and one of them is, is, is related to wind. You know, when looking at those initiatives and like their net zero kind of ambitions, you could say that they're really focusing on sustainability and they really want to kind of like not just talk the talk, but rather walk the, walk the talk. And given like their strong importance in like developing or supplying the energy mix, kind of like if they successfully, and I think that they would successfully decarbonize the value chain and across like their energy operations, I think this would create really big impact for them. Thank you so much for this insight to the future. And the final questions now, it will be like for the people, if they want to learn more, which are some tips that for our audience that if they want to learn about ESG, if they want to be reporting, what resources and what tips you can recommend to somebody who is listening to our podcast? Based on my kind of like knowledge and experience, I would really recommend that people or like individuals who are interested in sustainability to always learn about the various sustainability reporting frameworks out there, such as GRI. I think GRI is a very, very important resource. And like, again, as mentioned, there, there's also like a lot of specific frameworks that are related to specific industries, such as IPCA, OGCI, which are like mainly focused on the energy industry. And I think I also advise people to always be up to, up to date with the upcoming regulations, you know, like the, the new ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Boards, upcoming regulations for climate disclosures, you know, would, would really help them kind of like identify and understand what is expected from companies and it would open doors for better questions, allowing them, you know, to answer better questions and then kind of like developing their knowledge on the things that they would need to learn. So yeah, like this, this is my basic or like my, my two cents, like look at the various global frameworks such as GRI and I would really stress on GRI because like it's, it, it has a lot of like resources on like the various ESG disclosures and topics and how to conduct a materiality assessment and uh, keeping up to date with the like upcoming regulations and i would also like to look at the various sustainability reports and annual reports for like those leading companies like when when i started my first engagement and you know i was looking at the various for example sustainability reports of the big oil and gas companies such as total shell bp i was really like impressed by like how detailed companies can go and like it kind of like gave me a good glimpse of what a good sustainability report might look like. Thank you so much. I think this is the step. Learn and try also to upskill yourself. And this is also why, I mean, with our podcast, we are trying to give and share this type of experiences and from different change makers around the world to really help the people, you know, understanding better in, and, and walk this sustainability journey. So I want really to thank you so much, Yad, for your wonderful episode full of practical and very useful insight and really like when we go hands on and see they are putting our hands with the, the hammer and, and, and the tools to see how we can do a, a proper sustainability strategy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ayan. It's been a pleasure. Great, Samuel. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope, you know, to have more insightful episodes in the future. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.